0: Great then, I yeah, Tim. I am a human being. I'm wearing a dressing gown. I just ate a lot of peanut butter for breakfast, but but it it feels good.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think for me, breakfast is a is a learning edge.
0: You mean a learning curve?
1: Uh, learning edge. It's like a um, thing I need to work on. It's a oh, it's a etheline term. It means that. It's just basically a weakness, it's just another euphemism for, this is something I'm a bit shit at.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so at Youthline, if you have a weakness, it's called a learning edge.
1: Yeah, because that's where the edge of your learning's at, and that's where you need to like, and that's where you need to consciously be like, I need to learn how to do this better.
0: Wow, wow. I'm normally off for changing vocabulary to be more positive, so I guess that's a good thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's funny how the vernacular you find, even though I stopped doing it a few years ago, has crept into my... I just... Like, I said that without even thinking that you might not know what it means. Yeah,
0: wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm... Hey, what kind
1: of peanut butter did you have? Did you have crunchy or smooth? Crunchy.
0: <gasps> I'm such a crunchy oh peanut gosh. butter person.
1: Is, oh this everyone is this freaking is freaking
0: though?
1: You out? <laughs> yeah, it is a little. Here's the thing. Everyone's a crunchy person, and everyone I've ever met always says... I'm using all these superlatives. Everyone always says, oh, I'm a crunchy person. Can you believe it? And everyone's like, oh, my goodness, me too. Yeah, crunchy's the best. But, and, and like, yeah, why would you have it if I have smooth? But the thing is, they act like they're in the minority with this, like, victim complex. Like, oh, Ooh. crunchy's the weird one. No, smooth is the – smooth is definitely the minority. Smooth is definitely the stigma about them. Okay. Don't go – I'm not speaking to you here, but I'm saying yeah, yeah. crunchy people out there, don't go going around being like, crunchy has the stigma. Crunch means it has a better app. nuh What if smooth has definitely the stigma about it? 100%. Okay.
0: Because... Oh, That's oh. where you're going. <laughs> 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 i'm glad that you had that little yeah. rant and if you ever want to just rant then just do it of course this is a safe ranting space but you know I... yeah, because
1: when you're in a social situation when they're talking about this <laughs> when they're talking about crunchy versus smooth and everyone's like yeah crunch is the best yeah man i can't believe other people like crunchy too it's so great you can't go up and be like well actually i like smooth because every time i've ever done that people are just like oh you're such an idiot tim
0: Oh, okay, okay, because then you start to feel like you're in the minority, and then you express that. Mm, yeah, and then you get no, I know I'm in the minority, like the big guy, or like.
1: No, it's more like I have no, I have no allies. Like I'm always the only person, and mm. like I don't mind being a minority, majority, minority, in like an abstract sense, But when you're, you're like the only person in the room of like 14 people, and everyone's like crunchy, and you're like no smooth, and you're just mm. the devil. You're just like the smooth demon. Aww. <laughs> the demon of smooth. All these crunchy angels.
0: Like, I'm also under the impression that everyone likes smooth.
1: Ah! I wonder if it's just everyone's in a victim complex about this. Yeah,
0: yeah. like, you, if you go back and listen, you'll listen to the tone of my voice, and I was expecting you to like Smooth when I said that I liked Crunchy. Like, there was, like, a a twinge of defensiveness, because I knew that it was about to be disapproved of. Because, like, yeah, in my experience, when I say I like Crunchy, everyone's like, oh, what? It's all, like, lumpy and
1: stuff. (laughs) Yeah. It's just This is just speaking to our victim complexes more than anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had this big epiphany about, like, lots of people walk around being defensive about certain things, but Mm. I don't think that we need to be. I think we feel kind of like we're in the minority, I guess, with, like, all kinds of things, or, like, we're being attacked when actually we're not. And, yeah, you can kind of notice that in people's behaviour. Like, I've had conversations where we were both being defensive, which makes no sense. Like, you shouldn't have two people being defensive in one conversation because obviously no one's offending the other.
1: <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah, it's like two big shields up and yeah. you think you're fighting, yeah. but that's not a fight. But yeah.
0: you know what I realised from that particular conversation that I was reflecting on? Is that, like, if, you're, if you feel like you're on the defence, you start, like, overcompensating by being more offensive or like attacking a little bit more, or at least like if I'm in the state of mind where I'm defending my position, I'm not going to think about how to word it in a careful way. I'm not going to like mince my words or anything. I'm going to like talk like I'm standing up for myself because I'm being attacked and I'm in the right and defending myself right now. And I realize that from the outside that looks a lot like not being defensive, but like speaking a bit more like violently and not caring about the other person because in that moment you're not caring about the other person you're just protecting yourself
1: yeah because to 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 act in a way which i'm just trying to think what would look defensive and i guess perhaps like being vulnerable and like opening up how you feel and just being quite exposed but if you're being attacked those are the things that your your body doesn't want to do you know
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also. Sorry. No, no, you go. I was just gonna say that's also sort of tied into a, something I was reading lately about how humans, um, when they see a tiger in the jungle, is a is a sort of a, um, a sort of very stereotypical, yes. well, not stereotypical, but it's like an obvious sort of example of this. But like, if you see like a a beast in the in the bush, we're not gonna and we have to, like, get up at night, or we have to be defensive about, like, we have to, like, be on um, high alert. It's better to have made a false call than to have made a false call like it was just a bird or something. Oh. Or to have made a false call and um, said, oh, it's just a bird and gone back to sleep. Like, it's better to guess that you're going to be attacked and make a judgment call that you're going to be attacked rather than make a judgment call that it's that it's, it's a false alarm. Because, mm. like, those who were more paranoid breed more offspring so that's the way we've developed and it's a survival mechanism so i think it creeps into that where we we make false calls um like we have a we have like a inclination to make it about us Yeah. yeah yeah that's what it's about yeah
0: yeah no that makes sense and also like not necessarily even breeding more offspring but just teaching your offspring that behavioral Mm. pattern would be, Mm. you know, that would make sense because you don't want them to get hurt, so you, of course, like, you know, I mean, I think most parents are overly cautious just in case, you know, it's more Mm. like, don't do that, don't do that, because, you know, we see all the things that could happen. Yeah, yeah. It's so... Oh man,
1: that's so true. It ties into a, um, Two thoughts I've had, which was cool. one about invisible walls, and the other thought was, Ooh. I had last night, and the other one was about, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, like, you're so right about it building up culturally over time. It's, I think humans are this great experiment where you can be, say, like, this is what a human is, this is what a generation of humans are. Now let's do that again and again, thousands and thousands of times. We've done that, like, that's the experiment, and we can see these, like, little small changes in culture, all these Ooh. little things we add on just build up into these huge effects over thousands of years and create and I, I reckon that's like big institutions have come from things like that you know the smallest part of our psychology has, has created huge monuments
0: yes yeah. oh my god today can we just talk about human nature because i feel like yes, that's please. kind of the vibe that we're on and i can talk about that for a long time so yeah let's do that <laughs> and what was your oh yeah invisible walls yeah yeah did you want to talk about that now
1: um no i'll try it in later when it relates to something
0: yeah oh man yeah because i think it's so fascinating um because we kind of got this like animal self and then we've got the social self and i think this probably sounds freudian and freud probably said it but like i think of those two things as like interacting a lot of the time and so we've got like these unconscious instincts that we can't really control like this response when we feel like someone is attacking us to be overly defensive or like our our mind will tell us that we're being attacked even though we're not necessarily but we're like always on the lookout just in case and then you've sort of got your conscious mind which is the part of you that i guess in the best case thinks, oh, is this person actually being mean to me? Or am I maybe just perceiving that? And should I check in and make sure that that's right before I make this, like, defensive response that might then offend them because I'm, like, not being careful with how I word things. And, yeah, just, like, the interplay between those. And also how, like, the way that people view themselves and view their personalities. I think often like... I mean, there's a big gap between explaining something and justifying it that I think in science doesn't necessarily... It's not represented quite so much. Like, a lot of it is like, ah, if we prove that um, it made sense for cavemen to behave this way, then it still makes sense for us now, because we're still, like, cavemen in, like, modern humans' bodies. And then I feel like there's kind of a tendency to be like, ah, okay. And then like it's okay we can accept this behavior whereas what we really should do is like accept this behavior will always be a part of us and that we can then consciously decide whether or not we give way to it or not do you know what I mean
1: yeah so you're saying it's one thing to acknowledge and state what we've got it's another to manage it or to form some plan to make the best of it and yeah. People who talk about oh, that's because we're all cavemen inside. Yeah. Only go so far, they only go that far, they don't they don't go a bit further, which is and so we should do this to help it or compensate or this viewing it this way would be more helpful. They yeah. just acknowledge it as they label it as put it in the caveman box and therefore it's justified by itself. But we should really hold ourselves to a our higher standard.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you could argue like if you're going to use that argument, then we should all not be wearing clothes and we should be living in caves because, you know, clothes are unnatural. They're against our nature. And like, you know, like obviously we've changed so many things about ourselves from the way that the cavemen are. So we shouldn't actually be bound, I think, to any of their behavior.
1: Mm, I if, think Yeah. It's it's an impossible standard, though. When I think we we will always realize and idealize more than we can possibly uh, g- get into habits of doing. You know, we can have these idealized visions of what human culture should be, but humans will never reach that mark. We'll never be able to like. They'll always we'll always be able to imagine more than we can uh, act. Hmm.
2: Hmm.
0: Although, I mean. Look at what we have now. That's more than people a hundred years, years ago mm. could imagine. You know, so mm. like it might mm. not be possible within this one generation, but it's still something that you can strive for, and probably I don't want to say probably, mm. but maybe oh, achieve absolutely.
1: in the future. Over a long that's the thing. Time, time is such a uh, it's such a neglected ingredient when people want to make social change. Mm. Because of course, there's injustice now, and we should change it now. But if you if you're going to put the blueprint as or the standard as high as you know the most optimal human society ever and everything should be fair and equal and everyone is understands this and everyone's educated in this way and etc etc and ho- and then we, so that's fine to have that vision it's fine to have that vision in my opinion for the vast future like kids 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 but as soon as you hold that standard to now here. And and in a way, I, I agree we should have that as our standard now. But we won't get we, – we, we cannot – I don't think humans are capable as a whole to get there in one generation, mm. you know. And to chastise people for not being there yet is just going to create disenfranchised, you know, opinions and class divides and just animosity and people get defensive, as we're talking about, and not quite yeah. understand it. You know
0: yeah yeah i think in some ways our beliefs are kind of molded and given to us like i think it's quite hard to change your beliefs mm. like i know that we both changed our religion but i think we both feel like maybe well i definitely feel like i was never really cut out to be a christian or like i was never cut out to belong to an organized religion just because I do think for myself too much, and I value that, and that's part of my personality. Mm. So I yeah, don't same. think that there are many opinions, really, that I've, that I've changed. I think they're kind of born with a framework. And then, like, if you apply that to, like, social change over a generation, like, it's not really going to happen. Like, we can oh, consciously... yeah. We can consciously decide that we want to change our minds on this, but then what we might do is then raise our kids according to our values even though it's a little bit too late for us to really appropriate them
2: and Mm. then i think that's
0: why over a few generations you know things like being gay and anti-racism are not perfect now but a lot better than they were like in our grandparents generation it's kind of because of that
1: yeah absolutely and and that's why the philosophy of i'm going to try to make the world a little bit Teeny bit better, or uh, I think this change will be incremental, is a good way to sort of view progressive thought. It, yeah. it can, it can, I think it does have to be time driven. And especially, uh, it kind of grinds my guess a little bit when people go, it's 2016. You know, this should be changed by now. Mm. Because that kind of implies they. I mean, I like some of the sentiment behind it, and I'm, I've said it before, but I think it implies. Uh, a lack of sense of time or scale because 2016 wasn't so it's just a 100 years since like 1916 you know and things were so screwed then yeah now so <laughs> i mean you know a 100 years is nothing in an evolutionary point of view i mean it's 2016 yes isn't it a, isn't it just a flippin' miracle that we have um, you know, a minimum wage in some countries. Like, that's amazing! Like, that's, you know, it's 2016, you know, can you believe it? We should sort of, wonder if there's a way to say it or frame it so it's the opposite, you know, like
2: yeah.
1: rather than, you know, by now, it should have happened by now, it should be like, well, can you believe we've done this already? And It's only 2016. That's it, it's only 2016.
0: Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah, that's actually like a nice phrase, it's only 2016. Like, we've got more time to sort these yeah. things out. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great if we could do them instantly, but like failing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a total like, um, approach to growth and like personal growth and growth in a society as well. Is like, I don't think it's ever helpful to be like, you know, we should be better by now. Mm. Like, uh-huh. that's, that, that's never good, like, I, I would never say that to uh-huh. my students. You oh! Know? Preach it.
1: Preach it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm feeling this deep in my bones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to learn this the hard way, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I imagine that you've always been, like, really hard on yourself, like, you're kind of, like, a oh, goal, sure. and, oh, I should have, I should have achieved this by and now. Insanely hard doing. on myself. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I wonder how many
1: people are, because I think we're always harder on ourselves than we let on to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it just seems to be this infinite depth of hard on myself, like it doesn't seem to you know like it's mm. maximum I feel at times like maximum hard mm. um and one of the lessons I've learned taught myself this year is that and is that it's um taught myself from what I've consumed and my friends I've had i think has mm. helped a lot, but um is. The progress I make is mine alone, and Mm. only I'm accountable. And I can just be like, I've done this this year, yeah, yeah, and that's okay. You know, (laughs) like, there's no one really, and I think people need to hear that and believe that and and say it to themselves. You know, I've done one thing this entire year, let's have a big party about it because Mm. there's no, everything else is just despair, (laughs) the way I see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's
0: not its not going to give you motivation to do more. Yeah, and it's what you do you when you look at your progress is you want to t- say to yourself, whatever's going to make you keep going, and it's not going to be like, oh, my God, look at all the things that I haven't done. Like, it has to be like, look what I've done. I can keep going at this rate, and I will end up better.
1: And that's, yes. you know,
0: that's good. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes, and perhaps we should, if somebody is feeling like they want to, push themselves or make some quote unquote progress in their life or make change perhaps you could f- take them around to this line of thought by phrasing it this way
2: mm-hmm.
1: if you're so bent on doing all these things maybe what use is your thoughts maybe your thoughts, the best use of your thoughts is as fuel for these things and it's pretty they'll be pretty useless fuel if you're just um, holding yourself up in this way and making yourself feel down about things they'll just be useless the best optimized way you can use your thoughts as fuel is if you are grateful and if you celebrate every little bit and then you'll be mostly motivated i'm basically saying what you just said but, yeah uh, no it's, yeah. it's
0: great keep going <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 um yeah like, um, you know
1: that's like a very optimized way to live to use your thoughts that way yeah Yeah. in that sense i don't always agree with that entire ideology ideology of we need to make you know progress rat race blah 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 but yeah
0: yeah yeah wow thank you for saying that that's great and i'm i'm so happy that you learned that one way or another yeah 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 (laughs) and i think it's so important to have your own measure of success because like Mm. No one knows, like, we never know what kind of a life someone else has lived. Like, I think that the first five years or ten years of our lives, like, that's pretty much the blueprint for the rest of our lives. Like, it it shows us how we're going to, like, handle most situations unless we really, really, really work on it. And, like, when you meet someone, you don't know what the first part of their life was like, and so we can't actually judge Mm. anyone else's progress. Like, we don't know what Mm. they're battling inside, and they're not going to talk about it.
1: So, everyone's yeah. fighting a hard fight
0: yeah yeah and it's invisible and it's inside and they're not even maybe even gonna know about it let alone be able mm. to talk about it and feel comfortable mm. sharing it mm. yeah so I think you can just never compare people
1: no. and, and you should exactly never compare how... yourself to others we still do it though like our lizard brains
0: yeah
1: <laughs> oh, that's just... yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I like
0: that eh lizard brains <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah that's a good one <laughs> Yeah, I think we're just, I don't know, it's just our human tendencies to buddy up and and, and sort of tribe up and and compare and and have Mm. these like public displays of achievement, but external validation for achievement is a nasty drug, and that's why on Facebook when I see people get engaged or in relationships on Facebook or Mm -hmm. whatever, and it's all about all these likes and stuff, I just wonder what that's doing to our brains.
0: Mm. Yeah. Did you want to say your theory for that? I know you've told me before, but it was oh. so fascinating that maybe people listening
1: can hear
0: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We've probably actually touched on it before, but it was so great. I interpreted it as like cheap validation from Facebook that like
1: we're getting. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fast food. <laughs> yeah, <it> was that? <laughs> now everybody knows. I'm sorry, I wanted to make sure that you remembered the metaphor, but I should have checked. <laughs> I asked oh. for it, and I didn't. And I, and I asked for it, and I um, I, I there's no right way about it that was there. I had to figure it out through. The <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's just fast food. I mean, no, but explain was... that.
0: That's not that's not so clear. For okay
1: well fast food wasn't seen as so bad I suppose a while ago and now it's seen as bad and we got bad for you more so as time goes on Facebook is or so uh, I'm using so many terms I hate social media is bad for us in my opinion in my uneducated opinion in the same way that cigarettes and fast food are in two respects the first respect is that it's not known how bad it is for us yet and it will be seen in time and the reason i say this is because it exhibits so many of the same elements as um, other vices which have been bad for our bodies or our minds such as it, it can be very addictive it is in abundance like you can just keep having more and more of it and also you don't necessarily uh, need it I was trying to say you didn't need it before and then you need it now like cigarettes mm. the second way it is very much like the uh, uh, fast food is that uh, by consuming it you sacrifice or you give up your hunger and that hunger could have been fulfilled satisfied by something very wholesome like an apple or a really good meal with friends a really healthy vegan meal with friends or vegetarian meal with friends and you give that up and when we're on social media we're giving up hanging out with our friends because it's just not economically feasible later today i'm going to catch coffee with a friend it's going to cost me x amount of dollars on the bus x amount of dollars for a coffee this is all costs i don't need to spend and from a sort of a very um clinical economic perspective it makes more sense to just be on facebook and chat to people um but we have to step outside this economic rational model or else we will all be Empty inside. I don't know yeah. where I'm going with this. It's like I feel like I'm writing an essay, like for a uni thing, and then I'm like writing a sentence, and then I don't know where in it's conclusion. going. Yeah, in conclusion. <laughs> reference, reference, reference. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there was. I mean, there was this, also, this I think, you. the idea that our lizard brains kind of want us to be accepted Mm. by people, and so when we post something on Facebook and people like it, like, we kind of, like, our lizard brains are happy about that and are like, yes, Mm. yes, yes, but, like, Mm. that's kind of like fast food in comparison to having, like, a really good friendship or, like, hanging out with your friends for an afternoon, and that, I think, makes you feel good in your soul in a much deeper way that doesn't leave you, like, hungry five minutes later.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And for more. And it doesn't end. There's no end. Perhaps that's one way to put it in how it's like password or secrets. There's no end where you don't be like, all right, I've got the final like, you know, the biggest like on Facebook. Mm. I got it. I bit the boss. This game is over. How long have you been on Facebook?
0: Me? I didn't get it for ages. Big surprise, because I was like, oh, everyone's doing this thing. I'm not going to do it. And (laughs) I did when I went traveling when I was 19.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, see, it's funny, because you say not a long time, but I only got it a couple years before you, and it's only a matter of a small amount of years. But that was a big time in Facebook time, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. if everyone's got some social media I think for, like, I don't know, two years before you do, like, I
1: it's think that that's done. Still... You're yeah. out. You're just, like, so late to the party. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I had people being like, get Facebook so I can invite you to my party. And I was like, I'm standing right in front of you. Invite yeah. me to your party like this? And I'm like, no, nah, but, like, if you're, if you're on Facebook, I can, like, send you the... And I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actual yeah. real-life conversation. <laughs> yeah. But I, I did not get why everyone was doing everything on Facebook.
1: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, it's such a great tool for organising events. It is, that's, a, Yeah, That's I, the like, one now thing I that keeps it. me coming back. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. I feel like you could definitely find some kind of way to have group conversations, probably a better way, a better interface than Facebook, and, oh, and sure. organising events with groups. And then, yeah, that would yes. actually be better. If,
1: okay, the Facebook Killer app, the next Facebook, will be the one that can do group conversations, private conversations, and events. If you can do those three things, mm. I'm there. But you also need critical mass and blah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Hmm, yeah. I know there are some that are, like, theoretically not giving your data to people. I heard of one, like, years and years ago that was called, um, Diaspora. How do you even say that word? Diaspora? Diaspora? Which is a cool name for a social media app. (laughs) I just like the name. But apparently that was, like, either encrypted or, like, you know, the kind of things that, like, nerds like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's... I, I, from what I've been reading online, the next Facebook or the next uh, app to have critical mass is called Slack. Have you okay. Heard of it? No, no. Uh, and it's only gone. I, I've heard about it so much, but I was very surprised. Not so much, but like only so much. But I was very surprised with how few people actually use it now, compared to how much, I'm, and I've read about it. And what it, it's like only like ten million people apparently or something. Maybe maybe around that many. And it's a basically a chat client for workplaces. So you've got group conversations, private conversations. And it seems like that's it. I haven't used it. Maybe events and appointments, and that's it. And many many tech workplaces use it. And many you know like, startup use it. And it's my um from what I can tell in Wellington, it's very big in the tech scene here. Um, hmm. And apparently it's way better than Facebook chat and whatever. And that's sort of. And here's the thing, it's like starting to cross at the threshold of critical mass where people who aren't in workplaces use it, or aren't, you know, techies. Um, so they reckon that will be the next one up, I guess. I mean, it doesn't really Easting. matter now at this point what the name is. If, 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 if there's infrastructure online where I can chat to my friends and do events, then that's, you know, I don't really care what I use. Yeah,
0: yeah, cool, cool. It's kind of interesting how, like, things like Facebook will catch on and become so popular, and then it will kind of begin to be seen as an addiction and something that you should abstain from and be, like, proud of when you're not on. And then, like, something else will come up and we'll be like, oh, yeah, this is so much better. And then, like, that cycle will probably continue again for this other thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think maybe it's just, like, that a certain amount of the population – or maybe just everyone to some extent wants to be a little bit not mainstream.
1: Of course. So of course. As like again, yeah, I think we've talked about this again. It's like human psychology where we want like those who survive best are those who have access to exclusive information. So we love exclusive information or exclusive, you know, identities.
0: Hey, I don't think we've talked about that.
1: Oh no, we haven't. I think we've. I think we said. I think you said one sentence about it. Ah. Um, well, I, but, I don't remember <laughs> okay yeah i think that's why gnostic religions are so popular or the unknown is so great because you just
2: okay you know
1: like it, like our brains our lizard brains make it more valuable like if there's a card on the table and it's like a pension if somebody wrote on two cardboard cards and one is face down and one is face up and you can read the one that's face up of course but you can't read the one that's face down you're going to want to know what one that you wanna you're gonna like, I think your lizard brain will will attribute the one that's face down as more valuable than the one that's face up.
0: Mm hmm. Hmm, yeah. I guess it makes us feel needed and then we feel like we're not gonna be, you know, excluded. We're gonna be valued.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so when it's I mean, I know, I I mean definitely in my early twenties I was all about you know, knowing the latest bands or going to the most all parties in a way that was beating other people in a way you know like mm. it was definitely a comparison thing where i was like whoa i'm going to go this party or like i listen to this music they don't they don't even know about it but it got it it's logical conclusion it just it got me listening to like really weird music that only i knew and then i couldn't <laughs> feel cool about it. like nobody cared like it, it wasn't like mm. like you have to that's what ah do you mind my digression into the music a little bit, like in nah. the, okay. <laughs> Because I think there's a critical. I think there's. I think i finally figured out in my way how why there's like an echo secondary market for music, and it also seems to have a critical mass. You'd think music would have like a center of critical mass, like popular music and such, and then everyone goes on their own little journeys. But there seems to be two. Like there seems to be an echo one, and that's like Pitchfork and like the Simbaurists and Arcade Fire and everything. I think it's because it, it definitely feeds off that lizard brain which tells you you are better or cooler or this is nicer to listen to it like that, like, you know, if it's more exclusive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But as soon as you go further out than that, as soon as you become a more of a, uh, like an out of the tribe, like a, um, like your own person, like a hermit, and you go on your own little music, musical journey, you can't flaunt that, you can't flaunt that because no one has any reference points to it or knows mm. about your obscure Icelandic folk music you know really like on a really yes land of obscure folk music rather than like Sigur Ross like nobody if you said Sigur Ross people might be more impressed if you said some even more obscure band which is a completely like irrational metric. Um yes you, you yeah. know what I'm saying
0: that is really really interesting yeah, yeah. that like we kind of we definitely want to be distinctive, because that sets us apart, and it kind of gives us access to exclusive information, but if that information is too exclusive, no one recognizes it as valuable as well, mm. so it's like there's this point in the middle of those two things that we're all kind of, like, trying to find our place, like, which particular balance do we want to find for ourselves? Yeah, yeah. I've never thought about that. That's cool. Not either.
1: But that makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it comes from that thing in human nature which is also kind of always conflicting in us I think which is like that we want to be included but we also want to be exclusive like Mm. we want to be part of the group but have our own identity and Mm. quite often these two things conflict in lots of little ways and we have to make decisions
1: I wonder if it's because an optimal human place to be would have been in a tribe but in like the upper part of the tribe so you're still in like a group but you're like in the in the like more better part of the group, like maybe that's this, the 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 driving point in our lizard brains.
0: Oh, I don't know, I don't know. I uh, I probably said this a thousand times, but I I kind of see something different. I think um, it feels good to have a sense of identity as a human. Like it kind of gives us warm fuzzy feelings. Like, I get warm, fuzzy feelings when I, like, fill out a profile on a website and then I can look mm. at it and then I'm mm. like, oh yeah, I've written, wrote, like, a list of the books that I like and I wrote the things that I enjoy doing and then it's, like, all of me on a page and it just makes me feel happy that I can be, that I can, like, contain part of myself on the page and then see it and, you know, it just, it just makes me feel good. And I think that that... Uh, I think that's a lizard brain thing, because it doesn't necessarily make sense. And I think it's because we feel good when we have identity. Because the most healthy way to feel like you have an identity is to have really good friends who see you for who you are and feed that back to you. And they'll say things like, Oh, you're so funny because blah blah blah. Or like, oh, you're such a kind person because of this thing that you did. And like that makes me feel good as well, because it means that someone has seen me and I feel like they were seeing the real me and then they're saying what they like about it and like that's a really good feeling and Mm -hmm. I think that what we do is we get those two things confused so like we're designed to enjoy having an identity because one way to get identity is to have it said to you by the people that love you and I think Yeah, all of these other, like, external things that we use to kind of give ourselves an identity is kind of placeholders for that, and easier ways of doing that without having to open up to people or without having to actually, you know, make really good friends. So, yeah, I think we confuse one for the other, and that's why it makes us feel good.
1: Hmm. Yeah, so your model is... The most, one of the most optimal ways to feed these needs is through a close camaraderie with certain people. Like a small tribe or a small, like, uh, close friends.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I guess, like, I guess the difference between what I was thinking and what you said is just, like, not necessarily being, um, valued in the tribe because you know something that other people don't, or because you're like a powerful figure, but just because you are respected in the tribe, just like anyone else is. Mm. So like you're not necessarily at the top or near the top, you're just in the middle of a lot of people who approve largely of what you're doing. That that's Mm. also a good feeling, than having a position of power.
1: Mm. And that's where you like to be, or that's where you feel like Mm. most people...
0: Right. Oh well obviously I'm projecting what I like on everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely where I like to be. That's like that makes me feel really happy. Like I don't want to be the boss ever of anything, but if people like appreciate what I do in the same way that they appreciate what everyone else does, like I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking to Certain friends I've had who have expressed what you've expressed in different words and using different different language, but have said that they would rather be, say, like a leader or a boss, or they find it uncomfortable being in that area and they would rather be at the council table. Um, And they struggle with that because they also might be like a, a heartfelt, thoughtful person who... Who has a lot of love for being being with everyone else, but they they often phrase it with guilt, like they're giving into a vice to want to be a leader or to be someone oh. else in the tribe. Yeah, and I think certain friends of mine view me as a thoughtful confidant and someone they can talk to about these things. So I've had. A couple people come up to me and be like, Tim, like, they might see me as someone in this group in the fields picking berries or whatever. And they're like, Tim, I, I, I I wonder if they say it to me as as if they're looking, asking for my approval. Like, am I still a good person, even though I'm, you know, making these decisions to put me over here? Mm. Uh, Hmm.
0: Hmm,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, is it oversimplifying to say that we're just kind of, you know, that we're given a lot of messages that we should be trying to be a leader, even if we're not comfortable with that role?
1: Hmm. I don't think it's oversimplifying at all, I think it's, that's Mm. fair. I mean, the high school I went to, its whole model was servant leadership, and it was all about making every single person a leader.
0: That's. Did they realise that that's not gonna work?
1: Yeah, it doesn't work <laughs> logistically. I remember <laughs> just everyone had so many roles in year 13, and it just made no sense. Like, <laughs> it was just like. Yeah!
0: Oh my god, I think, oh. Does that come from capitalism? Is that kind of a similar thing to like a, every person yeah. should try be trying to be rich? Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. that's not going to work. Like I don't think that you understand the concept of rich. <laughs> If everyone is rich, then it's not rich. It's middle class. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like if everyone's a leader, then we have no leaders. Like, yeah. If everyone being a leader is called anarchy. <laughs> it's when people are responsible for their decisions and they're like... And they're no leaders. They, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah <laughs> We're I like think... all the leader of ourselves. I don't think <laughs> so they, they thought of way it, it this way or this, this thoroughly, to be honest. I don't think they really thought this out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they're kind of like reacting to this thing we have in our society that like leadership
1: is good,
0: being rich is a good goal mm. and then yeah, maybe not. I mean to be honest, way. to be
1: frank about it, I think they were maybe kidding themselves or not being honest with themselves when what they were really saying was, kids, you need to subscribe to these social norms of pushing yourself up the rat race because your parents have paid a lot of money to get you into the school and they mm. want to see you continuing this family trick up the socio-economic classes
2: um
1: yeah. n- not without love like not to be like they don't mean yeah. to be nobody's overtly or consciously being malicious about this but that's that was sort yeah. of the thrust of it yeah
0: well, we associate that with happiness. You know, like, these parents who want mm. that for their children, like, I, I don't think that it's a good thing to push your children. Um, I think
1: it's a vice. But,
0: yeah, but, I mean, really, like, it comes from a good place. It comes from mm. wanting your children to be happy, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think... I don't think that my parents ever pushed me. Like, I'm, I'm really happy about that. I remember, I, like... Vividly remember my my mother saying that I could do whatever I wanted after school. I just had to finish school. Like, that was the one thing that she required of me. And mm. after that, it was, like, my own life. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the best thing that you can do as a parent is be like, you know, I'll, I'll be here to support you no matter what. But you do your thing, you know?
1: Mm. Your parents must have had a conscious... Effort or the conversation to impress that upon you, though, because this, Mm. at least from what I can tell, you could either like they could have either not said that and then just there would be this implied pressure to you know conform or please them in certain ways, or they could have said the other thing, but most but they sort of had to go against the grain a little to say that, or they had to you know speaking that out I feel there's something that requires conscious thought hmm, how can mm-hmm. we best help our daughter thrive or what is the you know what's a humane good way to treat our offspring like they sort of had to come from a very they had to sort of reprogram themselves or sort of you know get their own that's yeah. an original thought that's not a that's not a thought that society likes to push
0: yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess I was really lucky in that respect, and I never really thought about it, eh? But, like, for me, it was normal, you know? Mm. Like, any of the messages that we receive in our childhood are normal, no matter yeah. what they are. Yeah, I think you even said that to me once, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then you have kids who say, oh, I thought it was normal that I was beaten. You know, I thought that was, like, a... Yeah. You know, like, that was... And when I've talked to people who have gone through horrific childhoods through, you know, physical abuse or whatever, um, they often... Are, there's an element of being unfaced about it. There's like an element of ah, like that was fine, that was normal. They're not horrified by it in the same way that people outside are. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and it's only through almost learnt behavior that they become horrified by it. Ah, oh, that's meant to be. I'm meant to be horrified by I this. I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think humans just adapt to everything, like. I think, you know, you see that with how we get desensitized to horror movies, you know, there are all sorts of weird things Mm. that we see as normal, because we just, I think, I don't want to say we're designed, because I don't think anyone designed us, but like, I think just by default, we um, accept anything as normal, if it's presented to us enough times, especially when we're young, yeah.
1: Yeah, which is why when there's so much inequality in the world, there's not enough rage, match the inequality mm. because everyone is feeling normal about this situation
0: yeah. yeah yeah or also just because we look you know we have that thing that we should be striving up the ladder you know so i think a lot of people are looking forward at where they want to be and right. not you know like you could say that's the same process as when we, when we were talking about like achieving your goals like what most people will do is look at where they want to be instead of look at what they've achieved so far, because it makes sense, I think, to like be looking forward. Normally that's a good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> it's into a Lord Maui,
1: Mr. Green. Yeah, no, I just, like, I'm just imagining my, my, my mind's eye is showing me like this, uh, like this ancient civilization where there's a guy looking at the granary and looking at all the grain they've, have harvested for the last few years and be like hmm this is so good and everyone else is like dude can we just keep making more like can we just keep farming and he's like hmm i just love how much grain we have and nobody like <laughs> nobody else ever <laughs> like all right dude we need to get back to work and he's like no check this out <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, i'm appreciating what we have that would be me yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'd be mean, like Jumping up and down in my toga or whatever, being like, This is so great, guys, look at all this grain! Yeah,
1: it's it's just grain. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much! (laughs) Yeah, um, what is that noise? It's just Katie in the morning. Every morning, every morning before we go to the fields, Katie has a little
2: (laughs) grain dance. The grain dance!
0: Oh my god! (laughs) Yes! (laughs) (laughs) it's <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah that's pretty much me at work it's like jumping up and down in the corner and everyone's like yeah no that's just katie she gets pretty happy about random things sometimes
1: <laughs> all my colleagues will be listening and be like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it just yeah just, well now they know that it's all about it's all our, you know it's a biological tendencies and stuff so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> you're actually transcending them. We know That's that they're just like more everything. evolved. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, what I don't—I feel like I didn't um, finish that thought. So we were talking about looking ahead and looking
1: back. Yeah, that was it. it was and just what, this extended metaphor for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what, what was I talking about before? Like, what? What? What was my point?
1: And the point was <laughs> that humans are when we're climbing up the ladder. It makes sense. In terms yes. Of, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's kind of our approach to inequality, which is kind of like how we are over eager to start being defensive. So like, we'll look at the people who are richer than us and be like, well, I want to be where they are. Like, why are they there? And I'm not. And then we'll work out how we can get there rather than looking behind at the people who are poorer than us. I think we tend to like kind of not even really reflect on that that much Mm -hmm. as how many people are not like don't have as comfortable lives as we do Mm. we're much more likely to look at our friends and be like oh that person can afford that thing Mm. but i can't Mm.
2: Hmm.
0: although that may be generalizing like i'm not sure that i know anyone who really
1: is like that Mm. sometimes i get i think kids often get envious that their friends have better game consoles or you know i think Uh when i was a kid everyone else had a playstation or or a nintendo and I had neither, mm. and it was so terrifying for me just to not have either of these things, and no way to get it, like, my parents were just like, no, we're not having either of those things, so there was, like, no way <laughs> for me to climb the ladder, I was just, like, in this state of anxiety of, I just want to be like everyone else, but I can't have mm. any of these status items, so I just had to flip and play second player on there when I went over onto their house, which was fine, but I, this was like, an example of, I guess just my anxiety of not being but I sort of learned I think as a child to contain my envy and for instance this is an example I recently splashed out and bought a USB game controller so it's just like a PlayStation controller for my computer so now I can play video hmm. games on a game controller on my computer and it feels much more like cool. a video game than a pokey little keyboard. and I get to play all these old 90s games um, download mm-hmm. them that I, you know, didn't really play. Like, I'm playing Crash Bandicoot right now, the first one. Anyway, my point of that is that I am so stoked yeah. about that. that. This little this little $15 controller gives me so much happiness in my life, and it's so awesome, and I'm getting... Like, I'm so stoked about it. Like, sometimes I just hold it. Like, on the bus, I was just holding it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're incredibly ergonomically designed, right? Like, they it feel good in so your hand. Good. I'm
1: holding one right now. Um... And even so... though it's a cheap knockoff, like a cheap knockoff in 2016, is still a very good controller. My point is, is mm, that yeah. that's a in my mind, I've consciously pushed myself to being absolutely so, so happy, so happy with like the cheapest things because I know mm. that's one, it's a, it's like a um, counterforce to all the bitter envy you can get into when you get into that whole rat race. To find Ooh. your own happiness and to really like congratulate yourself on these little pleasures, um, especially when they're cheap, and but they they and I know it provides actually like so much happiness to me. And two, um, uh, it's like when you live in a world of oh, like they're playing better video games over there with like a PlayStation Four and I'm not. That that what use are those thoughts? That's just going to provide me so much unhappiness. But if I'm playing my little controller and I'm playing some 90s console game on my laptop at perfect full speed, mind you, and it's all... That's that's so great. As long as I just forget that there's PS4s out there and there's like 20 years of game development, I can have the greatest time. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. In some ways, like, that... Maybe a lesson that your parents taught you or that you Mm. learnt from your childhood Mm. was, like, they didn't buy you the most expensive thing now, but you're able to get it now, 20 years later, and it's theoretically giving you as much pleasure as it could have done back then. It's the
1: one light in my dark days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, What else was I going to say? Yeah, I think that there's also, like... There's a certain satisfaction to be gained from playing games from the 90s, 20 years after they Mm. became, you know, like, went out of fashion, is, like, I think that you're getting a tiny little bit of satisfaction of, like, look at me being distinctive, Yeah, I (laughs)
1: think... (laughs) <laughs> it's like the whole um exclusive information thing like look at me mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. different <laughs> yeah absolutely for sure yeah, I can acknowledge yeah, like, that
0: <laughs> I waited like 10 years to like Nelly Furtado and then when I did it was <laughs> awesome because everyone else had stopped and then you get to be the person that like puts on turn of the light on a party oh, and dances because it's oh actually goodness. a super awesome song such a which good I couldn't song. admit to myself at the time it's, it's amazing like I like it just like Normally, not even in like an alternative. Yeah, like, I'm gonna like no. what was popular no, ten no, years no. ago But like it's a
1: good song in its own right. I could talk about that song um, for a while.
0: Really? We've never talked about this. <laughs>
1: yeah, because okay one, it's a, I agree. agree. It's an amazing pop song. Two, Do you remember how big it was? It was huge. Mm. It was like the one yeah. song that was always it was just the one song they had on the radio for a while That's all they had they just for for like a good year or so or like they just all the other songs got missing went missing and were deleted, and they just had to turn off the lights, so they just played that I swear to God, and it was so good and my siblings and I would run around our room our bedroom, and we would and then someone would be by the light switch and they would play that song oh. and it would be like turn off the lights <laughs> out, and then the light would go off, and everyone would dance in the dark it's <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> <That's> amazing <Yeah. laughs> I think. Yeah, if you ever want to, like, branch out socially in Wellington, you should make that the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, awesome, awesome. Uh, There's something so great about just, like, the way that siblings can have these little traditions and things. Like, I'm kind of jealous of you for that. That sounds awesome. Wait, what? Because
1: of, like, crazy weird sibling times? Yeah Yeah. Oh we were weird. We had some <laughs> if any of my siblings listened to this, they'll agree a hundred percent. We were just like we had a strange sort of sense of humor that we all shared and weird, mm. like deep in jokes and strange games we'd play. Yeah, I don't know. It was good. We brought up this sort of this little kid world mythology that we like love and, <gasps> and we occasionally call back to it. Like there's so many dumb like little words or phrases I could say to my siblings or they say to each other, which just bring back so many like incredible memories that it it's like the ridiculous time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome. 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 No, that sounds
1: great. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty good. It wasn't I mean, it was also pretty I think there's I don't know, siblings are not amazing all the time. Like there's definitely some downsides to having siblings, but uh it's just kind of, you're always, always in a slightly different place, because if you're different ages, you're not quite, you know, mm. you're not quite, there you don't quite get each other. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, although when you come out of it, you probably do. Oh, at do this stage,
1: think? yeah, especially with my older siblings, yeah. I've definitely, we're definitely plateaued especially with the second older, because I'm the eldest, and my sister, who is three years younger than me, so I'm 26, she's 23. We're, we've kind of reached that plateau of, um, mm. you know, we can talk as adults and just sort stuff out, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, great. It's it's interesting sibling relationships. Like, yeah, it's so... it's so much good and so much bad. And I, I think it's the same kind of principle of just, like, extreme closeness. And kind of that... You're somewhat safe, like, it's it's highly unlikely that people are actually going to ditch their family, Mm. so I think that because we're aware of that, we're normally a lot more horrible to our siblings than we would be to someone else, because you feel somewhat safe in the fact that they're not going to leave you in the way that any other person would, so I think that that leads to, like, this high level of being
1: comfortable around each other, but also a lot of abuse. Mm. Mm, yeah, I'm just, I, when you started saying that, I was sort of equating it with co-workers, how you're professionally stuck with each other, so you just, Oh you just kind of are over each other, like, you're just so over each other, on like, on a level, you don't have to try with them so much, you'll just, you'll see them again on Monday, so, you know, it's fine, you don't have to, mm. yeah. Um, yeah but you're right there's a lot of you know there's a lot of safety with family and i think when people get married or when people move into each other as homes they often have different conceptions of what that relationship will be in terms of are we now totally safe that we can just you know fast and talk crap and abuse each other like family members would or is this mm. still going to be a special relationship where um you know special in the sense that it's different from my relationship with my siblings and we don't have do some things, or we we, we we have a different, you know, tent behind stuff. I think people aren't so aware of, there might be their family-given perceptions of what those will be, that uh, might be different and they won't talk about that.
2: Hmm, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. But I'm yeah. talking out of my, 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 my bottom, because I've never ever been married <laughs> before. <laughs> i d I've never lived with my with a partner either, so I don't know what that's <laughs> like. <laughs> well, I've I've never
0: dated a partner and not lived ah, with so <laughs> <laughs> Together together we've wow. experienced the the, the, the full wide spectrum. Spectrum. Yeah. Well not the full spectrum, but like either option. <laughs> I think we feel like exactly the same of like there's this exclusive club of people who have experienced a particular thing and we haven't mm. and like that's how you feel about living mm. with a partner and that's how I feel about just like not living together and like doing things together and like looking forward to seeing someone because you don't see them every day when they get home from work mm. and like I'm really curious about how that feels
1: and, and, getting, <laughs> and how I'm going to react to like, it. you've got your separate home or your separate life more and then you've got your yeah. life with them more and there's like a balance there and you get certain parts of perhaps being single that you wouldn't get yeah i think it's mm. definitely there mm-hmm. with the cards that I was saying like a card that's face down and a card that's face up the one that we've experienced mm-hmm. is our face up card and the other is the face down card and our brains are attributing that is more valuable oh
0: yes mm. yes wow mm.
1: That's what's Uh, always, I know that's what's driven me to always try new things and new experiences is it's always been the face down pat like whenever I've tried to like move change countries or or i travel or you know indulge myself in different experiences that's because I've always wanted because my brain is just like what is it like everyone else has done it yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. Even
1: people who are like, yeah. "Dude, trust me, Tim, it's not worth it." Like, I remember when my friend started getting drunk for the first <laughs> time. They're like, "Tim, it was dumb." Like, my friend got really drunk and had a terrible. You know, they like, got really hungover. Just got stupidly drunk, and they're like, and I'm like, "Oh, I've never been drunk before. What's it like?" And they're like, "Oh, it was just weird and horrendous, and now I feel awful. I wouldn't recommend it." And I'm like, "No, you don't understand. <laughs> Nothing mm. you can say. Even if you say it's like going to be the worst experience, and I know it's going to be the worst experience. Like, I have this." thing inside me which is like but what I have to try it I have to have it for myself you know
0: yeah yeah oh do you know why that's interesting me right now because we talked about like fight or flight and how like you see a tiger in the woods and you assume that it's going to be a lot more dangerous than it might be in reality and what you're just describing now is like the opposite of that like you've got some unknown thing and even though evidence is pointing to the contrary, you're going to assume that it's going to be really good because it might be. Mm. Whereas with the tiger, you assume it's going to be bad because it might be bad mm. and you should prepare for that.
1: Isn't that interesting? Wow. I've never that's thought like about that before. That's like a strange parallel. Yeah, that's like a quirk of... Yeah, it's like a mirror image. Yes.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, and so now I'm thinking, like, what? what is different? There must be something in those situations that's also parallel that's going to create those two different responses
1: oh wow my brain just went the bonkers <laughs> <said that>
0: <laughs> brain gasm yeah I had, like
1: a brain gasm <laughs> for that so, thank you make a sound effect thank you for the brain gasm um did yeah. you say do sound effects or no sound effects
0: yeah make the sound effect of your brain gasm okay. can you oh, do it's it it's gonna
1: be weird all right yeah <laughs> uh <laughs>
0: Awesome, awesome. Mine was like...
1: That's a good one. It was like a... Yeah, alright. We don't need to compare. We we should not compare. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Because... Ah. Ah! Yeah. Okay, okay. firstly, I also wonder if there is... if there's a... why they are these two things seem so closely related but aren't. But, like seem to come from different places and if they're like if there's an underlying stuff going on but then i also wonder if our searching for that pattern is just our brains looking for more patterns and like mathematicians when they get deep into maths and they discover all these strange um you know patterns or like parallels or mirror images of different numbers and and ways of looking at it if they're not mm-hmm. it, it, it's pattern finding but it doesn't necessarily there might not necessarily be a reason behind it and Mm. it just it's just it's just you can just describe it and see it and be like these exist and there may be a reason but maybe that the reason is because reality because that's the reality we're in you know
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah like, sometimes I wonder if uh. maths is... I'm, I'm not... Don't worry, I'm not going to... I don't think there's much conversation about it here, so I don't want to derail us too far in this direction, but the thought I had when I had my brain-gasm was that when you said, <laughs> what are, like, what's the reason for these two things, my brain went all to all these places and then got to maybe mathematics is describing God, or not God, but maybe maths is us, like, digging into these underlying structures of the universe that are beyond reality, and it, it is as close as we're going to get to digging down to to what's really going on and why we have... Like, the more we go into maths, and the patterns we find. <laughs> yeah,
0: do you know the movie Pi? Uh,
1: it's, like, about uh, that. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, what's it about again?
0: It's, like... I think it was filmed quite cheaply, so, like, it's all black and white on, like, kind of cheapish cameras and things, and it's about this mathematician guy who's trying to find the... kind of the laws behind the universe. So, like, those, like equations i think is it called chaos theory there's the idea that um there's like an equation that describes a lot of the patterns in the universe and that if you find that out i guess theoretically you could predict anything that's going to happen that's oh, uh, the actually grand, really really powerful grand
1: unifying theory yeah. okay okay
0: yeah well in it so he's like searching for this pattern and mm-hmm. like he ends up kind of with his computer it's a bit of a fantasy like it's not like not really possible but he ends up like putting elements of nature into his computer or just like the computer starts turning i think it starts acting like a hive of bees and there's like this wax coming out or like there's this idea that his computer is mixing with nature and that, that allows that completes the formula and then he has all of these people that are running after him like people who want to use it to predict the stock exchange and there's these jewish people that like are trying to find the key to god and like all of these different people are really interested in what he's doing but he's also going insane as well and like his brain is kind of can't quite handle it and is like shutting down on itself and things and i think it's this idea that like it's not clear but my interpretation was that he was like um coming too close to understanding things that maybe we're not supposed to understand. Mm. And like, if you kind of, you sort of start to melt down if you come close to like the barriers that are in our understanding, because I don't think that a system is designed to comprehend itself in some ways. Like we're designed to carry out things, but we can't really know what our place is in something external yeah i don't know yeah that probably didn't make any no no
1: it only only doesn't make sense in the sense that our universe doesn't make sense like when we start reaching the level of um is there a meaning behind it is there a meaning that we can comprehend behind it all, or is there not i think when you start to go down the category of there is not or there might probably isn't then you you sort of have to shut up like we kind of reach a level of well well, there's nothing to just You know, there's nothing to ascertain here. Like, if there's no point looking for that, then... ah. Like, if there's no... no, Say there's no meaning behind the universe that we can comprehend. Say our human lizard brains are not meant for this, like what you're talking about.
2: Mm, Yes.
1: Then there's not much to discuss, I feel. You know, I mean, there's the universe to discuss, but there's no... (laughs) Uh, there's no, we can't really keep up in a conversation about what's, re- what's really, really going on. I mean, I, I guess only that we can theorise and make up stuff. What I'm saying, we can definitely have a conversation about it. We just can't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying.
0: I mean, we can't be certain, Yeah. You know, we can voice our own theories, but there's no way to test whether or not they're actually. Yeah, but also, and, like, yeah, do like,
1: uh, it's also complicated. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I lie in bed <laughs> and I just think there's no way I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to figure out why I'm here. So maybe I should just mm. leave that and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, my personal belief is that it's impossible for us to comprehend yeah, same. why same, we're here. Okay. Because we're, yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, that's what I was saying with like, I don't think mm. personally that a system can understand its place in something outside mm. of itself. Because we just don't have access to that information. Yeah. Like, our understanding is based on our universe. And to understand the meaning for that universe, we have to be able to put our consciousness outside of it. But this universe is all we've ever known. So I don't think that we can... Also,
1: my my friend Ross and I, have we talked about this a lot in China, about how we we both... We came up with this theory of the universe that there's no way to... um, Like, the idea of meaning itself is... To, for all we know is very human and only a human concept and so perhaps mm. we keep trying to figure out the meaning of the universe or put in terms of meaning but that's like maybe the universe is beyond what we call meaning you know like maybe meaning is like a small yeah. term for what's really going on and there's just stuff that's like beyond meaning that we will never comprehend just like an ant cannot comprehend human meaning we cannot comprehend what is beyond meaning, or, be- oh, yeah, wow. like,
0: Yeah.
1: we keep, ah, I don't know, like, people keep trying to be like, the meaning mm. of it, but, like, ah, there's such a human, you're already constraining it, like, you're already, yes. like, narrowing it, yeah, like, so many things down, you know?
0: Yeah, like, that that's a really good point, that, like, even if there is meaning to the universe, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna adhere to our particular concept of meaning, because that's what we've evolved. Yes, and yeah, more yeah, what definitely. is more
1: likely is that there is no meaning in the human sense to the universe because yeah Yeah. that's a human cultural experience not and the universe is hardly a human cultural time you know (laughs) like we're just you know we're just we're 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 barely even i don't even think we're, we're, we're 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 like we're not even the only life in the universe you know like we're not even i don't know like the way we see things is so within our own little bubble of humanness that just like an ant can only ant on the universe, we can only human on the universe. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So, like, when people get bogged down in these discussions, maybe we could be like, just stop, stop humaning. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I,
1: just, I just feel like... We've... It's just so beyond us that we can't... Every mm. time someone says, I've got the meaning or I've figured this out, it's always going to be in human terms by its own, by necessity. Like, you can't... And I think human terms are wrong in terms of and even be like beyond the concept of what is a right way to look at the universe and wrong. Like that's a human way to look at it. Like there's no way it's like I'm a two dimensional creature trying to trying to describe three D space. Like there's no way I don't have yeah. the terminology. I don't have the I can't point up. You know, there's no way to ah <laughs> You kinda of reach yeah, the yeah, limit yeah. of yeah, what yeah, you can yeah. talk about. We're talking about like the untalkable. Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's always yeah, I kind of have difficulty I think following discussions that go down that road, because I guess I'm perfectly happy. Mm. It's like, I don't know, like if we created these humans that live in this little doll's house world and I can watch them, like if I were one of those humans in there, I would just be having a good time in (laughs) that world and I wouldn't feel the need to think about the external things. So I guess I just, I can't really relate, but I suppose it's that same thing with like the card that's face down and the information that we don't Mm. have. Like a lot of people are driven to understand that.
1: Yeah, I think my brain is just wired in a, in, like, that sort of, with, like, philosophical, like, metaphysical inclinations, where I'm just like, what else? You know, like, what? Like, Mm. why? Why? but Yeah, exactly why? Like, and that's a strong... Okay, this is what I think it is. This is my theory on it. I was reading some research lately about how religiosity is genetic, about how they are, they reckon they. (laughs) Um that certain (laughs) humans are um, predisposed to joining an organized religion or finding what they'd call spirituality, and it gets passed on. And the kids are more likely, not just culturally, but, like, biologically more likely. And I think I belong to a lineage of humans who are about that, who are about trying to find some meaning, or not meaning, but, like, you know, join an organized religion, and, like, I think my brain is wired in that way to fit that mold. And I think I'd do very well in the church, you know, if I went back to Christianity, you know. I never will, but, like, if I did that, that would be, like, that's where my brain wants me to be. That's where I will thrive, in that sort of tribe. And so when I'm outside that, I still have wow. this, like, push to to try to figure out a meaning to it, or, like, to look outside, or, like, see the card. And that's all that results in, because I can't, because I cannot put it into any, like, human ritual system whatever is that I just I just my brain just spazzes out occasionally and just is like, Ah what is you know, what is going on? Like I've always have it's like a nagging question that I think I'll always have inside me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you know what I was just thinking while you were speaking? It was exactly like nagging questions. And I I think like different people walk around with different questions Ah. inside. And that's kind of that question that's like the light that we shine on everything that we look at to some extent. And, like, maybe yours is why? So you're kind of driven to understand why before you would act upon anything? Mm. Maybe? Like...
1: Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe why <laughs> is how I'm sort of seeing the... Like, that's my framing device. Or, I like what you said about everyone walking around with questions, and that everything they see or gather yeah. experience is maybe in hope of answering that question.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or just like when you observe something, what questions do you ask yourself about it? Oh, that's a good one. And I think there are like, there are different things. Like a lot of people are sort of like, is this good or bad? Do I approve of this? And I find that I can't really relate to that. Like I I don't decide if things are good or bad. When I look at something, I think, why did this happen and how can I improve Mm. it? Like, those are, I think, my questions. And so that means that um, I think I'm kind of quite analytical and abstract in that. Like, I am wondering around, asking myself why. But it's a different type of why to these people that talk a lot about the meaning to the universe and these, like, philosophical questions that, to me, are not helpful for my life just because that's not the type of thing that I feel the need to reflect on i'm more like okay well we're in this universe and how can we make it as good as we possibly can and i'm going to do that by understanding how we got this way mm. understanding what we can change to like go in a better direction but yeah like there are lots of different questions i think that you can ask yourself when you look at the world what do you think yours are
1: mm, i'm not sure i think other people would be able to in a, in a weird paradox way, i feel like other people would be able to see that more than i would um yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we all would see each other's more than we see ourselves because we're inside it. We're inside the system. Um, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mine is definitely. Ah. Uh, ah, I just I can only, almost put it in relation to the relative, like how I see other people in a relative way. Mm. I've got some friends who. Would be, would be repulsed from a conversation like we're having and would not understand Hmm. it, and see it as completely meaningless, and completely um, I mean, completely um, like not Not yeah, unuseful, like not pragmatic, like not, like, Mm. just waffle, you know, just like complete crap like there's no Mm. way to, like, what's the point? And I would say the point is I'm enjoying it, so that's enough but, um, they uh, they wouldn't get an enjoyment out of it I guess, and they don't It's like the flipping time, uh, it's like analysing the party versus being in the party, like I seem to enjoy Mm. more analysing the party than being in a party, so I think some people would see it different. And it's not to say that we're like, like people who analyse the party are better. Or, you know doing it wrong oh no anything, not at all being like... in the party is way better than analyzing it like i understand that oh, like, no. objectively <laughs> that's way better i dream of being there but also yeah. like, <laughs> like there's no it's not like you know you're not like it's not even like it's just different flavors or colors like i don't think it's i don't think there's mm-hmm. one right way to go about life and one wrong way or one's bit yeah, yeah. Just better for different no, people definitely
0: and i mean yeah and if we're all like going through life asking different questions, that means that together, through communication, we can arrive at a much fuller understanding. And that's a good thing. Like, I don't argue that everyone should look at the world the way that I do.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely not. That'd be terrible. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Everyone would just be jumping up and down about the grain, and then there'd be no more grain. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: And then the next day there's, like, no grain, and they're like, what just happened? Oh, yeah, 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 it's great, I love how, yeah, so many different types of people in the world. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I think my thing with, like, analysing parties is that I kind of, like, I can enjoy this party, or I can enjoy this party and analyse my enjoyment of it, and analyse what I'm doing, and I think, for me, that gives me knowledge and the idea is that that will improve my party experience and mm. everyone else's party experience if I want to improve theirs in, like, all of the parties in the mm. future. So in some ways, I will trade my absolute enjoyment of this party oh. in favor of enjoying the analysis, and it's an investment in future Which parties. is your question,
1: which is how do I make the world better?
0: Yeah, yeah, like, that... I think you go through your day tomorrow and notice what questions you're asking. Like, if you're looking at something, I think even questions pop up. Like, I can look at, like, a cushion, or I can watch the sky for, like, five minutes, and those are the questions that I start to ask myself, like, without even thinking about it. And I think you'll notice. Like, I started thinking about this because someone said to me, Katie, you always, like, you always ask why something is the way it is, and I hadn't noticed before they said that. But then after they pointed it out, I noticed it in my mind mm. all the time.
1: See, I yeah. just have—I just ask, "Am I good enough?" and "Do people like me?" Like that's the—that's <laughs> sort mm. of the like neurotic, yeah. extremely neurotic, egotistical way I look at the world, mm. it's just like, am I good enough? Like, I've started a new job and one of my primary concerns are, do my co-workers find me acceptable? Like, do they like me? Um, am I doing my job good enough? Mm. You know, um, And I think that's, I mean, it's very human and we all have that in us. Um, yeah. And I know that's not quite what you mean when you say, like, what do you ask? But sometimes... I,
0: no, no, I mean, all questions... Yeah, I think... It's different to me but like Yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's like my I was expecting
1: like that's a learning edge. Mm. Like that's my that's uh to be vulnerable about it, that's like something I'm really like struggling with and working on is um I guess just moving to a new city maybe, like trying to find some sort of acceptance here. Yeah? Just like am I good enough or am I, you know am I, um am I like please not pleasing people, but like am I just acceptable? Like I just wanna know am I meeting the bar? Um, and then I'll feel good about myself, but that's sort of a vice and a a um, self-corrosive habit of the mind, and um, that's sort of at my lowest when I'm thinking like that. What I think about when I'm um, flipping, just having a daydream on the bus is usually, um, I don't know, just weird stuff.
0: Yeah, I have so many thoughts to do with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that you've you've given up your safety net of people liking you. You know, to go down to Wellington where you didn't. You know, like you started from scratch, which right. is, I think, a big a big thing to do because you know you're used to, like, yeah, if you, you know, like you get so much, you feel so safe when people like you. But you've given up that feeling of safety to like start new friendships from scratch, and then like yeah, yeah, there's not necessarily any approval, and that's a big risk to go without that for like the yeah. First I mean, I don't want to sort of until you find it, and I'm sure you romanticize you myself as yeah. some
1: sort of interpret... I mean, I just moved to Wellington, but uh, it's true. I don't really know anyone down here, and I hey, don't no. have any friends down here. I'd say yet. I, I know some cool people, yeah. and they're pretty snazzy, and but I wouldn't call them friends yet in the same sense that I'll cool friends up yeah. in Auckland. So being in a city with no friends is... Yeah, it definitely would sort of lead towards that. Absolutely. I mean, it's fine. I spend yeah, a lot of time in my own mind sort of just thinking weird stuff. Sometimes I wonder what it would been like to yeah. read everyone's mind on the bus and just see... <laughs> where their minds are at because my mind is often in some weird stranger place compared to what and i feel like it would be seen as like you know am, not abnormal but it may surprise some people like i'll be on the bus and i'll be thinking man imagine if i was a russian soldier in world war ii and then i'll go through this entire scenario about being part of my squad <laughs> and like like my friend dies and i have to like keep fighting it, and like i question why i'm fighting and then you know save a <laughs> kitchen or something like my brain just goes <laughs> like like and if someone read my mind about that i don't know what they'll think yeah
0: <laughs> oh, can, can i make a confession <laughs> if i could pay five thousand dollars to be in your brain for like 24 hours i would <laughs> i would not really? think five thousand about it. Wow. yeah yeah, that's how much your thoughts are Aww. worth to me, because, like, I only catch glimpses of them, but they are just so fantastic from where I'm standing that, like, yeah, that that's, like, worth watching a whole yeah. heap of movies at once, all layered over the top of each other and making sense in some beautiful, confusing way. Like, that's how I see your mind. Oh, thank you.
1: I, I think that's kind of you to so, say. I'm not sure. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> No, not creepy, just like, (laughs) I guess, because it it could be really fascinating without being, like, "Hmm, nice, or like, you know, cool, like, it could just be like, I'm just a really weird specimen, (laughs) like, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that's a good thing.
0: Oh, no, but no, coming from me, like, I love okay, ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, next time, next time you're on the bus and you're thinking something weird, just think, like, at least one person in the world would <laughs> pay a lot of money <laughs> for right. experiencing this yeah. right now. And has openly admitted okay. it to you. And <laughs> you should be like, yeah, for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay. The other thing I was thinking of. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking of, because you said that you, like, Find it weird like sharing with people how much you care about being liked by people and being accepted. But like I think with any kind of insecurity, like you're never gonna be the only person that feels that way. And so I think the best thing we can do with insecurities is yeah. share them. Partly because it feels good to have other people accept them. And also because like if you're feeling this way, there'll be other people in the room who are feeling that way too and they're hiding it. And like if you show it, it's going to help them, and just the way that it would help you if someone else said your insecurity, and then you were like, Mm. wow, like, me too, I feel that way too. So I think, like, if you're ever, like, on the fence about whether or not to show something like that, yeah, think, like, if someone else in the room is feeling exactly the same way I do, what would they want Mm. me to say?
1: Hmm. That's really nice advice. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Way to look hmm. at it, yeah.
0: What? Yeah, because otherwise we feel we go around life thinking that we're the only ones, you know, because no one ever talks about these things. But I think that what is that that you know, like not everyone is going to feel. the same Yeah, way what's that do, line? all so people, people live do. lives of quiet
1: desperation, or something. All of people what? live lives of. Oh, what is it? Like I don't know. I don't, I don't even remember who said it. If it's a song lyric or something, but it's like men live lives of quiet desperation. It might have even been some like. Roman poet or something where it's like we're all inside living these like like most of our life is inside our heads and we're living these like crazy like
2: mm-hmm.
1: spastic narratives and then what we present to each other is just like a slither it's like what um I sent oh my, my friend Ross sent it to me and then I sent it to you Um, it was Murakami
0: <gasps> yes yeah, can you can. read it out it was so I, I loved it with my recommend. soul <laughs> just find
1: it Um, that was my friend Ross sent it to me and then I sent it on to you. It was a, he took a screenshot of a um, a book he was reading, like a paragraph, which I think is a really cool use of um, future computer technology that we, you know, communication. Just yeah. send you a little.
0: Well, that's what we've kind of started yeah, you doing sent me as well. Yeah, you sent me something like...
1: recently, right? I don't think I replied to it. <laughs> yeah, yes. but I really liked it.
0: No, you replied to it by sending me this one. Oh, and that's right. It was great. It was great. Let's just always, when we're reading books and we come across a nice sentence, send it to someone or send it to each okay. other. Or,
1: I'm going to yeah. put my head sideways yeah, to read this because he sent it to me sideways, but so I, had to, I rotated it before I sent it to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Russ. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> Better sideways I'm, I'm than nothing. I don't know which Murakami book it is, but it's, um, here it is. She waited for the train to pass and then she said, I sometimes think that people's hearts are like deep wells. Nobody knows what's at the bottom. All you can do is guess from what comes floating to the surface if, every once in a while. Both of them thought about that for a spell. What do I talk about when I talk to myself, he asked. For example, mm. hmm, she said, slowly shaking yeah. her head a few times, almost as if she was discreetly testing the range of... Eh, that's as far as it goes. But yeah, it's cool, right?
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like what we were saying before, it's like you never know what kind of a life someone has lived, you don't know Mm. what's inside them. That like we don't have access to people's minds or their thoughts and we kind of catch glimpses of it when it floats up from the bottom Mm. of the well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I might, this might be like overload, I might read you something. Oh, it's on my wall. And... Yeah, what people think about when they talk to themselves, you know that I quite like that idea of, like, being in people's minds. I may have mentioned that before. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think one thing I want to do, because, like, you know, I talk to myself a lot, and I find that useful. I find it useful in the way that, like, psychologists will say that writing a diary Mm. is useful. So, like, I'm not ashamed of it at all. And, um... I've noticed that there's like a quality of when you talk to yourself that's really special. Cause like, I don't explain things fully. I jump in mid sentence and I like switch from one topic to another without even thinking about it because I have all of the prior knowledge and I'm like going through it in my mind. And I think that's really special. It's kind of like just like raw communication. Mm. Like it's coming from me and I'm not filtering it for mm. anyone else. And like, that's fascinating to me, that idea.
1: Yeah, for sure. Did you say you are going to read something out?
0: Yeah. I know, I'm looking for it. Okay, so this is from, like, my favourite website, which our friend Craig told us about at a party, which is the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. And it's these words that actually exist and the most beautiful definitions you can imagine for, like, all of these quite specific ways of feeling sad or, like... Little melancholy epiphanies that you can have. (laughs) And some of them have videos, which are really cool too. But this one just has a definition, and I'm going to read it because it's kind of a bit like what we were saying. So the word is gnocienne. It's kind of like gnostic, but French and an adjective. And um, yeah, it is a moment of awareness that someone you've known for years still has a private and mysterious inner life and somewhere in the hallways of their personality is a door locked from the inside a stairway leading to a wing of the house that you've never fully explored an unfinished attic that will remain madden- maddeningly unknowable to you because ultimately neither of you has a map or a master key or any way of knowing exactly where you stand huh. Huh. I think it's so great, just like the idea that we don't fully understand ourselves. Other people see us externally, but they don't really see us either. And it's kind of like if you go trying to understand someone, it is like having, like, yeah, I guess just walking through a house in the dark and not knowing where you are. And like, we can kind of catch those glimpses of things, but like, we never know where to fit them inside and like this map and it's all really confusing but it is this beautiful thing that we can explore in the dark
1: yeah I'm not sure if I have much to add to that yeah. but I, I really I, I, like the, <laughs> I like the imagery about the, the keys yeah yeah
0: but yeah I'll put a link mm, to that okay. website because it's it's quite it's quite lovely yeah I, I don't <laughs> remember so I I like it's filled with definitions like that that are just so, so poetic and beautiful images and things, and like actual thoughts that I have never really put into words but have definitely experienced. Yeah. Are you needing to yeah, go Yeah, I'm about to Is that off. why you're being quiet well, now? sort of. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, not because I'm quiet, but I just got
1: into a deep <laughs> thought pattern. i it again there when I was listening to what you're saying. Um, put it on the link. Aww, link it on the blog. Nice. Um, and I'll have a read over again. But yeah, I am I'm hitting you know like
0: side. as we've been speaking I've written a massive list of things that I still oh, wanted to no talk
1: about. <gasps> okay, we might have to save that then.
0: I know, I know. I don't think we ever will though. I think this will just go into the <laughs> soup of things that I've like of like thoughts that I've had while talking to you and will never quite voice or like we'll end up voicing at an extremely later date in some surprised. other context and I'm just going to have to let them go into the wind just like these sort of hopes that we have that <laughs> oh, never quite eventuate. So <laughs> <laughs> it's okay because I might talk about these things mm. with other people instead mm. of with you now and it, they will still be voiced in my life. And I wouldn't have got to them without this conversation that we've just had, which was incredibly incredibly inspiring. Yeah. So yeah, and I think because of be that, we should only be thankful.
1: They now next time we talk, you might be surprised about what comes up or what comes up based on what people have said to you in response to them.
0: Oh, wait, can you say I'm that? I'm just again? saying
1: when you have conversations um, about these things that have come up, um, what how people respond to them might provide some new thoughts for you to talk to me next time.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, I like, I've, I've started to cultivate the strategy, the social strategy of like cross pollination of ideas. So like when I talk to someone, I'll say my ideas on something or like ask them what they think and then I get their ideas and then I take that and I have another conversation with someone else and I do the same thing. And then I end up collecting all of these different people's ideas and then sharing them with each other and bouncing their ideas off each other. And I've realized that kind of gives you because I prefer one on one conversations. But if I do that, then you get some of the advantage of having a group conversation, like different perspectives, but also in a one on one situation.
1: Mm. And optimal, optimal conversation.
0: Yeah, that's what I do now. <laughs> yeah I've, I've clocked it. <laughs> I thought about this, I thought about how to make it better, and that's, that's
1: what I've. <laughs> yeah. And you'll yeah. sacrifice the optimal state of <laughs> anyway. one conversation a little so that the next can be better.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I really want to. I really want you to think about what questions you ask yourself about. It's what to you leave us on and get me. Yeah. To me on that. Cool.